Hello and welcome to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by... Paul O'Callaghan. Hello, Paul. Now, this podcast was originally uh, scheduled to be recorded in Norway, where we both were last week, courtesy of Scania, on their winter experience trip. But we didn't have time to do it, so we're just getting round to recording it today. It was a good trip, an interesting one. It's the first time you've been away anywhere with a truck manufacturer. I had a grand old time. How did you get on? You seemed to be having a lot of fun. You um, missed you missed the bus back. You were so dedicated to driving trucks. That's right. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, I just want to thank uh, Jared and everybody at Scan UK for inviting me along. As you said, that was my first time away, and uh, I had an absolute blast. It was uh, just from start to finish. Everything was. So well organised, uh, we got looked after so well, and of course, what wasn't to love about going to uh, one of my favourite countries to, to drive uh, all sorts of top specification trucks. And uh, yeah, you're correct in saying that. So basically, we were driving, we'll go into it in a bit more in depth, but just to give a brief overview overview for people, I flew from uh, Dublin over to Heathrow, met up with you guys there, and then we flew from Heathrow up to uh, Gardermoen Airport, which is just uh, north of Oslo. And then we had a two-hour bus drive up to a place called Trissel on the Swedish border, which is a ski resort. The actual meeting point was a motocross track. Everything, of course, is covered in snow and ice up there this time of year. So um, anybody who had a truck license was able to take the trucks out on the, out on the main road. You had about a 20-minute uh, test track. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that down the line. But on the first day, I was after driving a few trucks and um, didn't realize I took a test drive of, uh, of a truck. Late in the evening, when I came back, uh, I'd missed the bus, but uh, that was that was okay. I got to lift back to the hotel with one of the Scania UK guys, but um, no, absolutely fantastic time. Uh, bit of an eye opener for someone like me who who hasn't been away in these trips. Just see how it all works and and uh, be you know to be treated so well and and uh, you know able to eat and eat and drink as much as you can and and drive all these sort of trucks. So that was that's. You know, a brief overview from my end of it anyway, Dougie. Yeah, well, basically, Scania have been running this trip for many years. And originally, there wasn't going to be much of a sort of um, press presence at it. Um, they'd invited us out there because neither you nor I had ever been before. And they had 27 trucks there available for people to drive, ranging from... They had all the regular ones you would expect from the big V8s, the new Super 560, but they also had um, battery electric trucks, gas trucks. They had a snowplow, an old military 93 four-wheel drive thing. So it was really interesting. You had the opportunity to go on the road. You had the opportunity to go around a test track. And there was a really interesting mix of people there as as well. Uh, quite a few people there who actually listened to the podcast. So uh, hi everybody! It was a, there was a few like YouTubers, sort of Insta- people with big Instagram followings. Um, Sandy from Flat Out Flat Broke was there. Jem Warren, Hiab Princess, Digger Girl. I'm not going to remember everybody's names here. I'm sorry, but it was a, it was a really interesting trip. A good mix of people and um, a good mix of trucks. The conditions were pretty treacherous. I found the first truck I took out was a drawbar outfit. It had a super long drawbar on it which designed for both axle weights and the fact that you can reverse up at a 90 degree angle and then tip the truck and then the trailer. And this thing was grossing 60 tonnes. It was an O560 and the road was really slippery and they were, of course, running on proper winter tyres, which we don't have in the UK or really in Ireland. And it was, it was so hard to trust the tyres going down this big, long incline 
and I wouldn't let the thing go over 30 kilometres an hour. And the guy's like, no, no, you can do 50, 60 down here. And I was like, I just couldn't stop my foot covering the brake pedal. And on the way back up, he said, you know, you're going to have to get the foot down here. We need the momentum to get up the hill. And I'm like, yeah, there's no problem going up the hill. It's down the hill that psychologically I was like, I'm not going to let it go go away from yeah. us. So, you know, thank goodness these trucks have got good disc brakes on them all round. Because I was thinking these are going to be smoking when we get to the bottom. But they weren't. There was no brake fade or anything. Of course, on the way up the hill, I got it up to about sort of 52 kilometres an hour. And the thing started spinning going up the hill and he was like, give it full throttle. And then it started spinning, which I think might have been partly down to me having the the tyres positioned a little bit too closely to the edge and not on the tracks to run on because they'd sanded the road. They didn't grit the road. It's um, a different way of doing things. But it got up the hill, fair play to the truck like, (laughs) fair play to the tyres. It got over the top and I was like... I've got the video footage from this, which I'm going to edit together and put in the Trucking Driver YouTube page, and I think it's got me, like, you know, sort of very holding onto the steering wheel quite rigidly and chewing my beard as we're going all the way down this hill. But I was doing the same. (laughs) After that, it got kind of easier. After that, I went and picked the smallest rigid I could find to go out in because I was like, I want something easy to take out, which actually turned out to be a CNG gas-powered tipper. Uh, I tried them, and that was a fabulous thing to drive. It had like the dynamic steering in it, and um, I think all these trucks were de- all the rigids there were, had VBG couplings on it, and they were designed to run with trailers. So anyone you did get was like well on top of the job, uh, and that was a really nice and easy thing to drive. And it just frustrates me that gas isn't seen as sort of a viable option in the UK when it absolutely should be, and it's clearly a better alternative and potentially cleaner than electric in so many cases but of course the gas network in the north of England and Scotland um, died on its arse you can't get the stuff uh, anymore CNG I think is maybe easier and it, it's the ideal concept for a tipper because you've got so much space on the chassis but you know it's not happening for whatever reason and I drove an electric truck um, yeah, I drove a couple of other things I, but you were like when you when I was talking to you like later on you were getting well into it though you were mucking about with all the, the air dump settings and transferring weight off axles and everything so tell us tell us about the trucks that you drove take us take us through what you drove and what you liked. Okay, so when we were inside the, uh, we'll call it the, the, the log cabin area where they gave us a bit of a brief talk through, they had a list up of the trucks available. So there was 22 on the list and you're quite right in saying there was a couple more that weren't on the list, but I just have it in front of me here and I'll just give a brief kind of an overview. So the first three on the list are called Scania 25Ps. So they're the electric trucks. There was two rigids and, uh, and an Arctic tractor unit. Then you had a couple of G410s, I presume. Was one of them, was that one of the gas ones you drove, or was that uh, a different model uh, designation? No, no, that, that was one of the ones that I drove. I yeah. drove two rigid Tridoms. One of them was a 500, I think, maybe, an XT. Another one was a G410, which was the gas one. And I didn't yeah. actually notice that it was gas until I was talking to the guy, and we got all the way to the bottom of the hill. And then he told me, and I was like, oh, yeah, so it is. It's a gas truck. <laughs> then I noticed how, like, yeah. how it was a bit quieter and things. But it just goes to show how good uh, th- these gas the trucks gas really these really are. And like I say, it frustrates well, the hell out of me that you just can't, we can't use them at the moment because there's no support for it because the government's just got its head up its arse and thinks electric's going to be a solution to everything, which it isn't. So I think uh, I think it's pretty good that we didn't, we don't seem to, there's no overlap in terms of what we drove. So just to no. continue on the list, there was, there was an R500 
an R530. And very interestingly, there were six R560. Now, they're all different rigids and, and uh, tractor units, but I think that's a kind of a good signifier of the kind of products that, that they, want to, they want to push. So we had five, uh, six R560s. There was uh, two R590s, uh, a 660, that was a double drive XT. Uh, sorry, there was two 660s, and then there was three 770s. There were two uh, tractor units, so 6x4, I think a 6x2, and a big uh, heavy, rigid logger, heavy rigid logger. So the first one I drove, um, basically what, what, it hap what happens there as, as you, you, when you're finished, there's no kind of, all the, these drivers are, uh, trucks have test drivers, and they're all kind of standing in the line, and it's a bit of a free-for-all, so you just go on uh, whichever the first one you get into. So the first one I drove was uh, an R660 tag axle tractor unit, and that was pulling a napping walking floor trailer, and we were loaded to by about 45 or 46 tons. So, like you, while I went out there, we drove out, you've maybe had a kilometer out to the of narrow kind of track out to the main road. Then we had that kind of long downhill descent where you came to the bottom, went right over a bridge, around a roundabout, and back up the way. But as I said, like you, I was I was kind of holding on with two hands down that hill because it was it was taking the road it was the momentum was taking you down and you were you know the last thing you want to do was it was use the retarder and even when I went around the round, roundabout you know the thing wanted to go straight on so what I learned there from the test test driver was that it's all about using this uh, the weight transfer now anybody who drives a, a six by two will you know they'll be aware of what weight transfer is the big difference there was that they can lift they can fully lift their their tag axle and put all the weight on the drive axle which we can't do so we're always going to be left with weight there but they're able to do that because they're not governed by the same eu rules i presume as we are and also the fact that they kind of need that to get traction so there's a bit it's a bit of a kind of a delicate balance because um if you fully lift the tag off the ground okay you've got a lot more traction on the drive axle but then your steering is so light that it's very difficult to steer the truck. So I was, uh, to be honest, I was kind of, I was on my limit. It was, it was more challenging than what I was expecting. And what I learned after was that before we went out in those trucks, there was a light kind of drizzling of rain around lunchtime when we were in there eating those reindeer sandwiches. And when we came <laughs> out then, the, the thing, it was, it was more or less kind of, there was a little bit of, um, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second as well. There was a truck which got stuck on, on, the, on the way up the hill on the main road and they were out with graters and all sorts of things. But... Definitely, uh, I was um, I was really you know at the maximum of, of my capabilities. So when we came up that hill, then the guy who was the test driver said, "Do you want to go on?" Uh, there's a little bit of an off-road section we've marked out, and yeah, of course, I was up for everything. So you know, when you, when you turned in off the road, you're trying to kind of go slow enough that when you turn in, you're not going to skid into the ditch, but also you need a bit of momentum to carry over the hill. And it was, he said, so when we're driving down here, he said, although it's narrow, he said it is public, so if we could meet vehicles, so you know, you were trying to. You were trying to kind of pick the best track and, and keep the momentum, but also allow for the fact that you might meet a car. And then, of course, there was a little section where we went left, and it was basically just the width of the truck and down through the forest, snow poles, either side of the road. So it really surprised me where where they were bringing us. It wasn't just a kind of a Sunday jaunt around some uh, really, you know, easy kind of a test track. So that was it. Uh, I was I kind of got out of that truck, and I was I was kind of buzzing, to be honest, because it was uh, it was a lot more challenging, challenging than I, uh, I had expected. And then I went from that to uh, a, a tipper truck. So that was an R590 6x4 uh, rigid hub reduction. And it had, um, so it had a long, it had what we call, you know, a straight drawbar. It didn't have a turntable. And of course, that thing, the traction that, that it had in comparison to what I'd been driving was, um, 
was phenomenal. You know, of course, it was loaded. I'm not sure what kind of weight we had on, but um, I, f- I felt it was uh, it was I it was kind of a little bit bored after all the fun I had with the other thing, trying to control it and that. So, and the next one I went out, and then I don't know if you remember it, Dougie. It was probably the one I enjoyed um, most. So there was uh, an R560 six by two rigid pulling a, a, a drag trailer with a turntable and two axes at the back, and it had uh, demountable bodies. Uh, there were red demountable bodies that had post. It's the Norwegian Post Network on it. I don't know if you, do you remember that one. Yeah, I do actually. I got I, I've got a video clip of going right down the side of it at one point. An impre- impressive looking outfit that it's uh, you know that yeah. I mean that the Norwegian posts I mean that's basically a fleet truck <laughs> you know it's it's impressive how in those conditions everything just keeps working you know people just are so used to it. the cars are designed for the conditions people can drive in it like the bus ride there and back because the road was pretty sketchy it was pretty treacherous. And, you know, everybody just kept on going. And you've got to think, you know, that's a long day. There were a lot of trucks. You were you were really carefully monitoring all the trucks on the road going past, watching them all. And these guys are out in that day after day. And you've got to think, you know, I was tired after a couple of runs up and down that hill doing that. So you can imagine doing that all day, every day, loading timber and everything in there. When you've, I've got a lot of respect for the drivers who are out there, do, are out there doing that in those conditions. Yes, they've got the equipment, which is best suited to go and do it but it's by no means easy you know that's serious driving stuff that like that separates you know there's no state there's no steering wheel attendance out there i wouldn't think i completely agree with you and um there's absolutely no comparison between sitting on a motorway with you know one leg up on the on on the door beside you and you know whatever in 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 a world of your own there you really really need to be concentrating because uh any lapse of concentration at all and it's you know game over you're in you're in the ditch but uh just something else i wanted to add which um some people will be aware of and some won't so i've 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 often had this thing about uh winter tires and to the uninitiated i said to someone lately and they said oh you mean tires with with studs on them i said no no there's there's winter tires when you look at them from a distance they, they just look like normal tires but I remember before I had a kind of a kind of a close look up at them and you can see that the blocks the, the blocks of the tires are designed much differently if you kind of you know try and you can put, almost pull the black block apart it'll be in little little serrations in it so it's basically it's all about winter tires that's that's the big mm-hmm. one and then that uh, 560 drag that I was going to talk about so I suppose a funny aside to that was when I got in first I had a I had a woolly cap on from the legendary transport company in Norway, Steez Thermal Transport, and the guy who was the test driver commented on, on my cap and said that he used to drive for Steez back in the 90s, transporting fish from, from the west of Norway over to Oslo. And uh, he said that was that was really tough going back then. As we as we dropped down and went over the bridge, he said that uh, we, we could see there was a truck from Eastern Europe putting on snow chains. So yes, I saw him. That was a black Darf XF. Yeah, there was, um, I saw a Czech Reg one and, a, and, a, and a, then it was a Polish one on the other side. But basically that that, that route where we were, it's, it's actually part of the E25, which is quite a long um, motorway. So if you wanted to go from Oslo to the top of Norway, I would say, you know, Trondheim or somewhere like that, that's actually the way you go. You go up there and cross into Sweden. The Swedish border wasn't very far from where we were. Uh, and it's, it's a lot quicker and, and cheaper to go up that way so the guys obviously have to pass up over a mountain but um the guy uh Ingve, who was with me was saying that when he was doing those runs to uh over over the fjords over the mountains back to oslo they were putting on snow chains twice a day and, and quite quite hard work so i just asked him then if 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 it's still you know guys still have to do that today and 
he said not as much because firstly the roads are better and secondly the trucks have a lot more power so you know naturally if you're stuck it doesn't really matter you're stuck and you won't get momentum but i suppose a more powerful truck will will keep the momentum for longer and there's probably less chance that you'll get yourself into those situations but just on that truck what really impressed me with that um Ingve, who was the was the uh, test driver with me, actually worked for VBG, as you mentioned. You know they make all the couplings, but they're also an agent for on-spot uh, change with chains, which are the automatic snow chains, which basically are mounted on a frame which is which bolts to the U-bolts of the axle, uh, operated by a brake booster, two little arms swing down. There's a little chain wheel which makes contact with the side of the sidewall of the tire. And uh, the chain spin around, they get caught underneath the tires, and that's how you that's how you get your your traction. But uh, an ingenious system. I was only looking it up after, and I just wrote a wrote a report for you there today. Oh, brilliant! And, and sp- spoke a little bit about it. I, yeah, I'd been aware of it, but I never really had looked in depth. And um, you know, the, apparently, I was talking to a local mechanic here, and he says, yeah, a lot of the fire engines and things like that come here. You know, even even in Ireland, have them. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's they even they have it out in America. You can get it in a lot of small vehicles. They have it on you know what they call small trucks out there, and seen it on Mercedes vans in in places. But that's that's an ingenious system, and it also had the sandbox system. I don't know if you had seen that. So basically, that's uh, mounted in front of the drive axle. You've got a little aluminium kind of a triangular shaped uh, sandbox. Uh, again, it's operated by a little what we call a brake booster, or you can have a little kind of an airbag bellow as well. It pushes it over towards the wheel. A little roller makes contact with the tire, and that uh, that opens the the box a little bit. And sand, uh, or you know, a mix of sand and gravel, a little bit of salt, whatever you want. Excuse me, drops down in front of the wheel. So, yeah, again, it's like just amazing. Uh, you know, simple kind of technology, but still at the same time, that's that was a Swedish system i was just looking it up there today and, and i asked him why why would a truck have have both systems and he said that the the on-spot automatic chains are more suitable for you know flat tarmac conditions obviously if you're off-road in a forest or somewhere there you know they can be exposed to uneven surface and they might get damaged whereas you know the sandbox system you can use anywhere but uh that was that was something you know we just actually he asked me that i want to do a brake test as well so I was doing about 50 kilometers an hour on, on that kind of a, we'll, we'll call it the, the sort of the side road, not, not on the main road. And uh, I, I said, are you sure? And he said, no, go, go a bit faster. So I built up to about 70. I said, are you sure? He says, well, whatever you do, once you, once you break, keep your foot down. So, okay, right. So, you know, foot to the floor and uh, yeah, the whole thing just came to a complete, uh, to a standstill in, in a straight line. You could feel the, the wheels underneath you, you know, once they began to skid a little bit, you know, the whatever the ABS sensors were able to kind of back off that wheel a little bit and put more brake into the other wheel and yeah it brought me to a complete standstill so like as you, as you said I was I was having a ball and of course you know it takes a couple of minutes when you're driving a rigid and drag you have to get out of the arctic driver's mindset of making these big wide swings that there, there's no need for because that trailer followed exactly in the path of the of the rigid oh yeah well i mean boy did i overcompensate for the first couple of turns with that long drawbar thing i was <laughs> everybody on does the side of the road. but the funny what was interesting was there was no scania there with mirror cams on it now when i was in at scania a couple of uh, end of 2021 so just over a year ago they had a truck with mirror cams on it there which is a prototype and it wasn't right at all and they didn't have one there but what i noticed was with a wide-angle Scania mirror, I could see that trailer coming out the junction way back. You get such a brilliant field of vision from those mirrors. I know that these mirror cams go and rotate and go wide to go and follow the trailer, but you really 
don't need that. The mirrors are that good in modern trucks now. Because it's something that they have improved the mirrors like a lot in recent years as well. Which was, so I found it interesting they didn't have anything with cameras on it there for us to have a go at yeah. with it being quite a popular option on things at the moment. An awful lot of the new DAFs are coming with it. Obviously, Mercedes have had it for a long time, and I would imagine everybody's going to start moving and using that going forward. Uh, and, and other Scania news as well. Uh, we, we had it uh, confirmed to us there that Scania have finished building manual gearbox trucks. So if you hadn't got your order in for one, you've had it. They've built the pretty much the build slots for the last ones have been allocated, uh, and that's the end of it. But they seem to be... There's such a huge lag with the build. I was told yesterday that they've released another 150 build slots for this year, which people can take advantage of, for the 540 13-litre, not the new super engine. So they're still building the previous generation 540, which, don't get me wrong, is a fantastic bit of kit, but it just shows you how long it takes to build a truck and how big the lead times are at the moment, you know, if, you, if you're well organised and you've got your fleet renewal system down, it's great. But if you've got a truck that's in a crash or something like that, or you pick up a load of extra work and you want to go and buy a few new trucks, it ain't easy to get a hold of stuff. The The order books are for 2024 now, everything's shut for 2023 across pretty much all the manufacturers. So, I wasn't aware of that, and I wasn't aware of the... I actually didn't take much notice of, of the, uh, the the fact that all the trucks had, you know, normal-type mirrors. I, I, I didn't even... It didn't no, cross my mind well, about the, because, uh, you know, the, the mirror cams. Well, mirror, it's because the mirrors just work so well, and at no point is anybody sitting there going, God, I wish somebody would come up with something to get rid of mirrors. <laughs> They're so annoying. I wish it, you know... That's right. <laughs> said nobody, you know. That said nobody ever, yeah. Something I just noticed today, and I don't know if you picked up on this, it was when I was looking back through the pictures, so... A few years ago, they had to change the, the badging from, you know, S650 or XS to putting the, the, the S behind the, the, the numbers. It was something to do with uh, crossover or dispute yeah, Mercedes-Benz. Yeah. So that's all well and good. And I was looking through the pictures today and I noticed that some of the trucks have the number in front of the... So, for example, I'm looking here, just, have, uh, just one, for example. So I, I, that first one I drove, 560R. And parked beside that is an R660. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd, 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 yeah I'd, I'd like to find out why some are still coming out with the, uh, with the number yeah. uh, in front as opposed to behind. Yeah, it, it, all, the, all the letters should have been moved to the back. Everyone should now be 460R, 500S, and so on and so forth. But, yeah, the, the, it's curious. There does still seem to be brand new ones coming out with a letter at the front. And I don't know why that is. If it's just the way that it's been allocated in the build, I don't. I don't think you get an option for, an option for it. <laughs> but it, ev- it's everything, yeah, everything going forward should have the letter at the back, whether it's a P, a G, an R, or an S, just to go and make it all uniform. They had to move the letter to the back because it was all I can imagine it as some extremely senior chief executives at Mercedes Benz and Scania have fallen out with each other somewhere down the line and somebody is just making a point because they can they say oh it might be confused with the mercedes s-class car 
Aye, right, you know, Jaguar make the XF car. Nobody's ever went to go and buy a Jaguar and accidentally come home with a DAF XF Superspace, have they? No. So, no. <laughs> so, you know, somebody is getting their own back. They are, we are going, we're going to make you move that letter to the back of the badge because we can do it. <laughs> that's well, basically what's happened. Well, that's my theory anyway. I don't have any proof. That's just what I think's happened. <laughs> well, uh, the last one I drove up of that of the day was an R770 oh. uh, rigid and drag timber outfit. Probably would have been the most visually impressive unit there, measuring about uh, 24 meters long. We've got a, an Epsilon crane on the back of the rigid uh, tandem axle dolly, you know, tandem axle at the back of the trailer, and the chassis layout on the on the rigid. You know, was it was an eight by four? So you've got your you know what looks like uh, you know a standard. Six by four with a, a second steer axle just in front of the um, of those drive axles. So that thing was loaded to fifty seven tons. And when I inquired why it wasn't at the maximum weight of sixty, they allow uh, they allow a bit of leeway there for the build up of, of snow and ice in the machine, which yeah. we'd never think about here. <laughs> and obviously that can that can weigh quite a bit as well. But uh, yeah, that thing was um, that thing was you know sure. I mean seven hundred and seventy horsepower. Sometimes you'd kind of wonder wonder of the need for it so we, when we came up the we came up the hill i just uh said i'd, I'd just try it in, in in manual and he, he reached across and said oh you want to see some power and um you know he he put on the uh pressed a little button on the wheel which i could have done myself but i just played along and said oh really that's impressive you know put it in power mode and uh, which which i quickly disengaged because as i think i might have mentioned before i'm not a fan of, of these of the the higher revs of of uh power mode but uh, that thing was i don't know what we were catching but whatever we were catching definitely wasn't loaded to the same way as we were and uh it was it was awesome but you know it, it kind of led me to think and i'll just move on in a while when before we finished it about you know i drove one of the kind of least powerful trucks there and that was at 50 tons and it, it you know the 770 was brilliant but uh it's it's kind of in a way it, it takes a little bit of the challenge out of driving when you have so much power so and there might be someone's kind of screaming at the radio now what about what am i talking about but uh, i don't know if if you kind of feel the same you know it's um it's it's nice to have all that power, but um, you know some of the, sometimes there's a little bit more of a, of a challenge in driving the lower powered ones. But that was that was kind of it. That concluded all the driving for for day one and, until we moved on to the next day. And um, and I had to I had to get a, my own lift back to the <laughs> to the hotel that evening. Yeah, I mean, uh, what what impressed me was about that five sixty super the thirteen liter that was at sixty tons and the way that that went up that hill was so impressive you know if you told if you'd said to somebody you know it was a v8 obviously it didn't sound quite like one but you wouldn't have questioned it and it, you know it really it really does make you think that the v8 is going to be sort of is it going to become 770 and 660 only at some point because that super engine can certainly go higher than 560 horsepower that engine will go beyond 600 no problem at all and you've you've got to imagine that with the sort of payload saving and the potential fuel economy that they're gonna and all the green credit stuff that they've got to go ahead with that they're gonna push that more and more. And but I don't think the V8 is going anywhere anytime soon. I can see its role becoming more marginalised because of the power of that engine. Mm. You're, you're 100 right, and that's uh, what I thought was quite interesting was that the, the lack of any V8 branding over over the course of the weekend you know generally if you know you'll see v8 logos here and there and really we didn't see them i think there was one 
on that blue 770 tag axle tractor unit was pulling um and maybe like something like in a carry like a, a hard-sided trailer and, and it had it but uh no you're probably right it'll probably end up with just the up in the you know 770 the high horsepower maybe the 660 you might go to you know 680 i don't know i'm only reading into it, but interesting one actually i was talking to uh the guy when we were driving that, I drove another 770 as well, and um, I was telling him about how many 770s there are now in Ireland. I don't know if you saw lately, there was a, uh, an operator over in the West just taking delivery of seven 770s here in Ireland, and they just, they're rolling out. There's, um, I heard lately there's just, you know, way more 770s and, and 530s, but when I was telling the guys in Sweden, they were in Norway, they were saying, oh, really, do you, do you have, is there some big hills in, in Ireland or, or what? I, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, 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 we don't have any hills really to worth talking about and uh, and we're doing uh, 46 ton maximum, so they, they were kind of laughing at the, so yeah, apparently it's, you know, we're one of the few markets that, that the, the V8 continue to be sold in, in such high numbers and I think I said it before, you know, you go down to Spain and it's all 500s and, and this and really that there's, you know, there's, I I've personally found there's so much torque in that uh, six cylinder super engine that really, you know, unless you're you want to have the the V8 badge and that, you know, these 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 new Super Sixes are 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 more than adequate. And I think the engine notes did seem to be a lot better than, I, than I, some of the yeah, older six cylinders. Yeah, it did. It, so, it sounded good. Um, I'm going to be getting back out and doing a week's work in uh, a Super, which is the 460R. I'm going to get a hold of that in February. And I'm looking forward to that because obviously the 460 is now pretty much in the UK. That's an eight-wheeler tipper engine, you know, and quite often they'll go higher than that. It's basically in an Arctic. It's purely a sort of fleet truck engine now. But I'm really interested to see how that's going to perform because it's got. I think it's got two and a half thousand newton meters of torque, which is a lot. Wow. You know, that's that is, that is a lot for a 460. That, that's a lot for a 460. So, I'm really interested to see how that's going to do and see what it comes back with, um, fuel economy wise. I say because of like driver retention and attracting people in that now, people like so often they'll, they'll spec 500s all day long because I've mentioned it before, but psychologically, 500 horsepower is like, yeah, yes, I've got 500 <laughs> brake, you know. And if you've got like, yeah, if you've got a 490, you're like, ugh. It's fleet spec. <laughs> when it isn't, That's right, yeah. there's, no, there's, no, there's no real noticeable difference between the two. It's just a psychological difference with a, with a badge, to me anyway, that 500 and up's like a bit, woohoo, I'm a, you know, I've arrived, I've got a bit of equipment here. Eh? When it's not really the sort of, there's no kind of real logic to that. I bet you that 460 will do absolutely spot on. Um, yeah, so, we didn't have any 460s out there, but I'm sure that's, yeah, there'll be, They'll be coming. Um, did you? I had a. Sorry, can you just talk about the. We better talk about the the big cab as well. Yes, well, I you saw the big cab now. To explain, this is the new XL cab, which is the longer um, version of the S. Which, um, well, you you can tell me about that because you were you were up close and personal with it. Yeah, so I went for uh, I went for driving it. There was quite a lot of demand. Um, you know, ever there was. So while we were there, there was. Uh, there were also a, a team, a group from, you know, a similar group uh, as ourselves that had come from, I think it might have been some... Maybe Poland Lat and Latvia, Latvia, yeah. Poland Latvia, yeah, correct. So there was, there was a bit of pressure to get in. But anyway, I saw my chance and I said, you know what, uh, I'll, I'll follow the, the kind of herd mentality. And even though, I mean, a big cab for, for a test drive, you know, that's that's more something that you, you get use of if you're going to spend the night in it or, or, you know, go off for a week and really get the benefit. For, but for a test drive, it's kind of... 
you couldn't really. But nonetheless, I said, oh, sure, might, might as well say I drove, drove the new cab. So the, the cab designation, it's, it's called the C23. Um, am I right in saying is it tw- it's most something like 20 centimetres longer? Kind of hard to see. They've, they've followed this, the, the Volvo kind of uh, XXL model of hiding the extra length in behind the, in behind the wind kit. But um, the bunk looked to be the same length. The big difference was a little bit like the new DAF XGs inside. There was a there was a there was a gap between the back of the seat to the bunk. Um, so you can still pull the bunk out, and you don't need to move the seats forward. Um, apparently, the guy who was who was the the test driver there was telling me that um, the one that they had on on display back at the hotel had a slightly different bunk and it has a little kind of storage pockets in the front of it and um, some cup holders and that. But, you know, it's great. I mean, I think that, you know, those S high cabs have, have lots of room in them. Never felt the need that I was cramped. But, I mean, you know, who, who's who's not for uh, an extra bit of space? So it'll be hopefully at some stage in the future. I mean, they're, they're, they're selling them in Norway already. We might get them over this side. But just an inter- interesting little aside there um, when I was driving that truck. So... Before we turned off the main road back in onto the up into the test track, we had that kind of narrow one kilometer stretch, and the guys were on walkie talkies and you know making sure that way ahead was clear. So called up in the walkie talkie, yeah, you're okay, you can drive in. And as I was driving in halfway up, I met that um, it was a six sixty or five sixty. Uh, there was another timber truck there. I think that was a five sixty original drag. That was a six by four instead of an eight by four. But anyway, had to stop of course, um, and uh, couldn't get going again, despite the fact that's. That I had a double drive, but we only had we had a machine on the back on a, on a step frame machinery carrier. Machine is only like maybe twenty three tons, and now it's it just goes to show when once you stop there, there's no getting getting going again. Mm. Um, didn't have the on spot chains, didn't have the um, sandbox system or anything like that. So uh, oh. one of the guys per you had you know per came down and and uh, they had a little quad there with a little trailer on it and you know shoveled a bit of grit down and and uh, we. We got going again but it was it was you know got a photograph of that and that'll be in the next report but uh, it really kind of brought it home to me uh you know what, what it is like to drive it doesn't matter how much power it doesn't matter what kind of tires you have it doesn't matter what kind of double drive you have um if if you stop like that you're not getting going again so that was uh oh, I you know nice nice little kind of a you know yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Now, what was interesting, what, funnily enough, when we were in Norway and among all the snow, there was a right cold snap in the UK and it was snowing everywhere. And we were putting these pictures on social media and all these drivers were coming back posting up pictures of their own trucks in the snow said, is that it? Come back to the UK and deal with this. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys were having like a hell of a time dealing with things as well because, you know, even if you can keep going, it's unlikely that somebody in front of you can keep going and, then if one comes to a stop, they all come to a stop. And, you know, we're just not equipped to deal with snow and nobody's going to put snow tyres on a truck in the UK or Ireland because there just isn't enough cold weather to justify it when, you know, there's so much of a, an emphasis placed on, like, maximum sort of fuel efficiency, which obviously you're not going to... A winter tyre is not as fuel efficient, so... Uh, and it will wear out quicker, you know, because we can get temperatures in January when it's like 12 degrees and things, which is out of scope of how efficient a winter tyre would be. But I found it quite interesting that there was that that, uh, that good old-fashioned uh, cold snap that everybody had to deal with and was struggling on with back at home. It's um, just a, it's a different world over there, the way that, the way that things set up yeah. and the way that they, they deal with everything. So...
I mean, we had a good night because Scania, there was a bowling alley in the basement of the hotel, and they took us out for a game of bowling. And um, after that, I, we had a right good crack. You, you Jared, and uh, Matthew Eisenegger, uh, all sitting. Uh, having a, a couple of beers after that, and then eight o'clock in the morning the second day, Scania took us to a presentation all about electric trucks and sustainability. A note to anybody planning this sort of stuff in the future, don't do your presentations at eight o'clock in the morning when you'd be giving people beer the night before, because everybody will sit there with glazed eyes wondering what's kind of going on. Being the, being the professional journalist I am, I took notes at it, but I don't know if they'll use it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'd, I'd kind of echo your sentiments uh, there about, about maybe not having them at that hour of the morning, especially if it's about electric trucks, because, um, you know, it's a kind of a little bit hard to keep the attention span <laughs> that hour of the morning. But anyway, uh, look, it was, it was um, if that's kind of, you know, all we had to do for, you know, how well we were treated and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, all the, all the fun we had over there, that was that was quite fine. But uh, yeah, it was it was actually actually a good night. I think the beer there was pretty expensive, according to what the, the oh, chain is like, they it, worked it, out. It well, is I I got myself a couple of cocktails as well, which I. Uh, oh, good you man, know, you know, Hey, if if you're not paying for it, order the cocktails. That's what I say. You know, I couldn't <laughs> well, get I couldn't I, get a mojito, but I got a strawberry galore and um, something else, which was quite nice. Tasted tasted just like shudder, pink, pink lemonade. Sure <laughs> to think how much uh, what's. Well, I think the pints were running at about eleven pounds sterling. Yeah, about eleven. Someone else looked that up. About eleven quid. If you want to be a pisshead in Norway, it's not a cheap game. No, well, I think that's why they have the, the they've made it that beer so expensive over there. They want to try and you know limit alcoholism, and maybe I'm sure it does. So if if the pints were eleven quid, I can uh, I can only really imagine what your mojitos were cost. <laughs> but uh, no, in fairness, now there was no. It was um, yeah, you could. Um, Drink as much as you want, but uh, then of course you had you had to drive the next day. So we were, um, I'm sure, if 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 you were showing the effects of it too uh, too much, there was you you probably you know maybe would have had a breathalyzer yeah. to go into or, or that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyone who sorry, go ahead, sir. No, everybody was everybody was responsible on the trip. Yeah, yes, uh, there is the opportunity to get hammered, but. On these events, you are really busy. You know, you don't have a lot of free time to go and muck about and all that. You know, you're 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 going from one place to another, and you're doing a lot of travelling with a two-hour bus ride. Then you've got to get a flight back to Heathrow, and then I was up early the next morning to fly home because my car got smashed. The whole story about that's on YouTube, folks. Um, suppose I should mention that as well. On the way to the Scania trip, my beloved blue Vauxhall Cavalier hit some metal debris on the M40 and got written off. I had to go back and get it with a trailer on Thursday and I got a lift into Heathrow and then I had to book a flight back, which is a kind of um, unfortunate start to the whole trip. But yeah, I've put like three videos up there now, so I won't like mention it anymore. But yeah, that sucked anyway. Yeah, you had you had an exciting uh, Don't know what <laughs> exciting start to it by the, by the sound of things. Um, you know, well, I just want to finish off. Sorry, yes. just by saying, just to, sorry, just to, just to finish off there. Uh, we, were, we were talking about the trucks we drove. The last one, I drove was another tractor unit and that was pulling a line tech trailer which are finish built and that was a i noticed all the tag axes there were uh, twin wheel tags there was no single wheel tags which don't seem to really feature up in up in norway at all but it was a a 500 r and that was loaded at 50 tons and that did an admir- admirable job if i can say that word correctly of uh, of pulling up the hill and and again brought home to me how you know how, how much power and torque there is, but just an interesting one. The guy who was um, test driver for that, I said, uh, "Can we go and we'll go on the, the little little off road track?" And he said uh, he he'd never been there before, 
And I said, well, yeah, would you like me to show you? And he said, yeah, yeah, let's go for it. So um, <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of wondering if, um, if anybody else had gone down there to, you know, bear in mind, this is day two. So we well, turned down anyway. Were there, any, were there any tire tracks? Well, <laughs> so there's two, just, you turn off the main road and you have that bit I was talking about, that kind of bit where you can potentially meet some traffic. And then you turn down the uh, narrow bit that's kind of just basically down through the forest and, and um, you know, I was committed at that stage. I turned down there, but I was, I was kind of looking down. I was like, there, there were there were a couple of tire tracks which were four wheel drive vehicles, but definitely no trucks had had gone down there. Because when I looked in the mirror, you know, you see the trailer was definitely because it's kind of quite hard to see when everything is so white. It's hard to see if there's uh, you know in those off road conditions is there wheel tracks or not. But basically, I was the first truck that went down there during the day, and I didn't didn't stop while I was down there because we were plowing through some quite deep snow. And once I got back, I drove. Uh, that electric truck, the you know the the tractor and the long chassis, and I asked the guy, um, you know, ha, does he take that down there? And he says, oh no no, we're we're that that's all. We're not allowed to go down there today. That's off limits. <laughs> and, all right, well well I well I've just been driving down there. And he says, really are you? So no, that was Sorry. that was quite good. <laughs> yeah, no, um, you know, I was I was there to get the maximum experience anyway, and that and that I got. Um, but just to just to finish out on that electric truck, uh, I didn't drive the rigids. Got to drive that uh, that twenty five p. It actually was the coolest looking of them because it had that long chassis with the hub reduction axle and the steer axle. On oh the yeah, back. well done. <laughs> yeah, it it did look quite tough. Now he, what he told me was it 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 needed to have that hub reduction axle because the chassis was so long. The reason the chassis was so long is that it needs to be long f- to accommodate all the batteries, and then because it's so long, you know, for maneuverability, the tag was a steering tag, and then the trailer was a tandem axle. That it was in the colours of, I'm pretty sure they're like a supermarket or something like that, a distributor. It was a tandem axle box van, and these had a steering axle at the back because it, it was a little bit ungainly, you know, getting it around, getting it around. Um, a bit weird. Start the key, you know, is the engine running? Is it not? Is there even an engine in it? Like, what's? I don't know anything about these electric vehicles, but uh, there was the acceleration. I have to say, was quite impressive. Apparently, that one had six gears. The ridges only had two gears. Um, you know, very impressive uh, acceleration. You know, the downside was I was kind of on the off-road track, and it was a PCAB, which I'm not a fan of at all. So <laughs> it, it was quite bumpy. But look at um, you know, I can say I drove a drove an electric yeah. truck, and um, you know, it's, I think that they're so cost prohibitive, prohibitive. Yeah, I mean that it'll be while. That's it. I mean, they've got a roll. I drove one of the rigid ones. Um, it, it was absolutely fine, you know, because it's all the familiar Scania dash layout. It's got a dial gauge for the charge sort of the power instead of a rev counter. And it was easy enough to move, even though it was completely silent. And, you know, these things are definitely going to have a role in city distribution, stuff like that. But they're not going to come in and replace, like, absolutely everything. And it's hard to make a case for something that costs three or four times the price you know, they've got so many things to, to deal with in terms of infrastructure. I've no doubt that the truck manufacturers will be able to build the trucks and overcome the challenges uh, of engineering them. But in terms of getting a hold of all the material to build them and the charging infrastructure, that's another story. Uh, I find it quite interesting that you were like immediately like, oh, a PCAB, because uh, um, I didn't actually, I jumped, I, ju- I drove a P, a G, an R. Uh, and I didn't really. I just got in it and didn't didn't notice notice anything like that <laughs> like that. Eh? But I mean, you're that you're that used to these big long haul tractor units, and that, that when you get into that little low narrow PCAB, you really notice the difference. <laughs> you really do, and it's and it's 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 more the fact that just that the lack of comfort. I've driven these P's and G's around uh, around our lovely Irish roads here, and uh, you really do need that 
I've I've found they've, they've you know just so uncomfortable. So I'm, I'm a little bit anti them, but. That was it. Um, kind of got to drive a nice, broad uh, selection of truck stuff that you know we really wouldn't get to drive here that often, um, and it was it was a fantastic experience. Uh, really, really was, and kind of made me want to go back up to Norway again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was it was it was a great old time. Um, thank you very much again for Scania taking us along. You can read both uh, both our accounts of this and the different trucks that we drove in the next issue of Trucking Driver which um, will be the March issue, because the Friday, uh, the February issue just came out last Friday there. Uh, so, yeah, it was a great a great trip. Thank you very much for coming on and updating us with all that. Um, just to round off, where are you, um, what are you up to this week? Are you going back out driving? Are you going abroad again? Uh, no, I'm actually taking a few days off now. Quite a bit of writing to do, catching up. Uh, dentist appointment now on, on Wednesday as well I've been kind of putting that in the long finger so when you're driving on the continental runs you kind of a lot of that yeah, kind of stuff you can't gets, go to the dentist well I don't puts, know puts the wayside and they say where are you going to be uh, yeah so next uh, next uh, Thursday at such and such a time and you say oh you know, like I literally I can go to you tomorrow and that's it so um, a few few bits and pieces that attend to like that uh, Dougie so I've been quite you know, I've been done plenty of driving since last uh, last September so that's just take take a week off and uh, and see you then. Oh, cool. Well, I'm in the office this week. Andy, our new editor, has just started. We've been in a lot of long, boring meetings today as he gets his feet in under the table and we're lining up a whole load of exciting stuff for trucking drivers, which I uh, can't wait to tell you about in due course. But, uh, yep, thanks very much, Paul, and I shall catch up with you again soon. No problem at all, Dougie, and just uh, thanks again to all the lads of Scania for inviting us along. Brilliant. Yep. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. Thanks, Al. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month.